Today on The Good Word, we're talking about getting dirty and getting clean again and again. A friend of mine was in elementary school, and she knew a kid who was convinced that he only wore each set of his clothing one time. After he put it in the laundry basket, he thought the clothes got thrown away, and somehow his parents replaced them with new identical ones. So she tried, with her elementary school knowledge, to explain how laundry worked. But he was convinced, no, once a napkin is dirty, you throw it away, you can't use it again. Why would it be different for clothes? No one wants to wear dirty clothes. So she tried to describe how soap cleaned away the dirt and the stains, but even she wasn't quite sure how laundry worked. Eventually, she just said, look, follow your mom around when she does the laundry next time. Well, the next day, the kid would not talk to her. He was mad because she was right. Pretty soon they were friends again, but it became a joke for the rest of the year between them that he thought he was throwing all his clothes away. If everything was only used once, we'd be in more trouble environmentally than we already are. Things don't become useless once they're dirty. It only means they have to be cleaned for future use. As people, we're sort of the same in our spiritual cleanliness. None of us becomes irredeemable from one mistake or even several, even if those mistakes have to be righted. Isaiah chapter 1 makes the solution to returning to righteousness clear. God doesn't expect us to wallow in spiritual filth, so he offers us what will help us get clean for the future. Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now, and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. When we do wrong, it can be tempting to sink into despair, as if something we've done can never be forgiven. That pessimism is what the adversary will tell us means our mistakes can't be erased, that we're stuck as bad people, quote-unquote, if we can't do it right the first time. God's tone in Isaiah seeks to shake his people awake from that negativity. Instead of wallowing in self-condemnation, he pushes them to action and to improvement. Lingering on past regrets doesn't help us for any longer than it takes to resolve to change. A repentance process focuses on what we can do now, which is why God gives us several examples of how to do his work on earth. Most of what he tells us about repentance, helping the oppressed, the fatherless, and the widowed, forces us to turn outward from ourselves. Curling inward in regret doesn't help anyone else, much less ourselves. When we lose ourselves in the service of others, that's how God changes us. We might find he's been working on changing our heart while we weren't looking. No matter the depth of our regret, those around us still need the help we can provide. Repentance is a process that God built into the plan, expecting that we would trip into the mud of mortality more than once. And while we do all we can to rectify mistakes we make and help those around us, God doesn't expect immediate perfection, but we are asked to clean up as often as we trip, renewing our commitment to each other and to the Lord. And that's the good word.